in theory, if it's in the wrong hands, it could completely destroy the fabric of society. But on the flip side, uh, and this is where I think Elon is so freaking important to this mission and others like him. I think that that is the single most important thing that needs to be there for us to have a bright future. That was the first piece of work that really blew my mind around what technology's impacts to the future is going to be. Hello, I'm Hayden Bloomfield and welcome to Benevolent Business. We're back, series two of the podcast with the first conversation, now running solo myself, and it is with none other than the former Tesla employee, now turned YouTuber, Farzad. This conversation, I can't even believe I got it. Like I've reached out to Farzad and sure enough, he agreed and was like up for, the, up for having a chat. And what you can expect from this, we go into so much around Tesla, around the future, around his own investment strategies, how he sees the future evolving over time, over the coming decades, and what that can mean for you, whether you are in education, out of education, 10 years into your career, 20 years into your career, how that will change and evolve over time, and what can we expect from the future. It's a fantastic conversation. I really think you're going to get a lot of value from it. So please enjoy it, and let's get started. Thank you so much for coming on and welcome to the Benevolent Business Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, Farzad. And first thing I just want to jump into is, like, I've been subscribed to your channel, I've been watching a lot of your content, but if you could just outline your sort of your story of education up to your early career that sort of got you ready to work at Tesla. So what was, what was your education in and what was your early career? Yeah, sure. So I graduated from... Uh, Pennsylvania State University, also known as Penn State uh, in Pennsylvania. I graduated with a uh, major uh, Bachelor of Science in Mathematics and a minor in Statistics with the intention of either becoming um, um, an actuary, which is you know like a risk assessment person for insurance companies, um, or a teacher. But to be completely honest, I wasn't even sure what the hell I wanted to do. I really went to college because my parents are like, you have to go to college. So I'm like, okay. Uh, and actually, no, I did. I picked it. Oh, okay. And what's funny is that I actually started as an aerospace engineer. That was my first, that was my first choice. But then by the third year, I'm like, man, this, these whole physics classes and everything, they're just, I just, my brain doesn't, is not able to process that nearly as well at that time. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good at math. So I'm going to switch over to math. And then math turned out to be even harder because it's super abstract in the later years. So I'm like, I'm an idiot and I'm not going to choose. I'm not going to change it again. So I'm just going to stick with it right at that point because I'm like, oh, my God, this is like crazy. So I graduated with a, with a math, math degree and a stat degree. And then my early career, actually, when I graduated, it was uh, late 2009. And that's when we had that uh, insane financial crisis, sort of like a year after the financial crisis happened in the U.S. and around the world with the housing crisis. And um the job market was abysmal. It was terrible. I couldn't really find anything. And I was looking for work. I took uh, multiple tests. I took the, uh, the actuary test. I took the uh, teaching test, which is called, it's called the praxis and um, in Pennsylvania, at least. And um, yeah, I, I just couldn't find any work after taking those tests. So uh, luckily my, I, I live with my parents at the time and my neighbor um, or our neighbor at the time, uh, she worked for a pet distributor, uh, which happened to be the, the largest pet distributor in, in, in North America. And they, uh, the pet industry is recession proof, right? Because, you know, when, when people, you know, when there's hardships, people like to feed their pets, even when there is a recession, they're not, it's like their kid, you know, they're not going to like let the pet die or give it away. They're like, well, I have to buy food. And so the, the pet industry never had a, um, a recession. They were still growing through that whole thing. And 
my neighbor was like, we're hiring, uh, we're looking for uh, temp work. Did you want to come in and stuff some letters in, uh, in our mail room for a little bit so we can get you a little bit of cash while you look for work? I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take freaking anything. So uh, I went in and I, um, I was stuffing envelopes like a maniac. You know, I'm like, I'm the best freaking envelope stuffer in the world. I'm the best mail room person in the world. And, and because the company was growing so fast, they had a lot of needs around um, uh, analytics and Excel work and stuff like that. And they asked me, was like, hey, would you happen to know how to work this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, you know, I worked with Excel and I, I'm decent with numbers and I'd love to sit down and try something. And then that, um, that uh, opportunity turned into a full-time job at the company, at the pet distributor, uh, as, a, as a marketing analyst. And then I was so lucky to be surrounded by really good mentors. And I sort of really had I really capitalized on the opportunity that was given to me. And so I, I went from a temp worker to a marketing analyst. Then I got promoted a couple of years later to a business intelligence manager. Then a couple of years after that, I got promoted to a pricing manager. And then a year or two after that, I got promoted to a director of business intelligence and pricing. And through that entire time, I had my mentors were the COO of the company, the CEO, the CFO, uh, the VP of marketing, uh, the chief marketing officer. I had just these uh, ridiculously smart executives around me that were just constantly throwing me knowledge. And they were so open with their time and their knowledge. It was like, I was like the luckiest person in the world because, you know, I, I came in not knowing anything. And then this company happens to just bestow so much knowledge on me almost by accident, you know? And um, through that time at Phillips, it, the company's name is Phillips Pet Food and Supplies. To this day, one of the it's such a great company and amazing people work there. But through that time, I, I really became a huge fan of Tesla around 2012, where I found out about the Model S and Elon Musk and all those things. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool company. Around that time, I also uh, may started making a little bit of money because, you know, coming out of college at that time, I was super broke because I have a lot of you know, I have basically had $100,000 in student loan. And I was worth literally negative $100,000. So I'm like, I need to like figure out how to make this. I need, to, I need my numbers to go up. And so I started looking into investing and I, I stumbled upon Tesla and the Tesla Motors Club and, um, and all those things. And then what ended up happening around 2012 is that I really became enamored with like the idea of Tesla and, and Elon as a leader and the things he does and how, how different it seemed and how refreshing it seemed to have a, a leader like that, a company like that, that's really making a company that's more about than just profit. It's about changing the world. And it was obvious. And, it, and, it, and the way Elon sort of describes the mission is it, it's so intuitive and it makes so much sense that it's hard not to jump on the bandwagon. So I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. I, I threw a thousand bucks in there. And then over time, I started investing more money into the company. And in 2013, it went, you know, it quadrupled basically in a couple months time when they posted their first quarterly earnings. And I'm like, okay, now I'm obsessed with the freaking company. And then uh, in 2017, I had the opportunity to actually join the company. I, my, uh, the, the company that I worked for, Phillips, was relocating the, their headquarters from uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, which is around the area where I live, down to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had an offer to move down there. And they were essentially grooming me to be you know, an executive of sorts of the company and you know, get promoted and all that stuff. And my wife and I kind of sat down and like, okay. And we had a small business at the time as well. We had a small business in Pennsylvania. We started an escape room, uh, which, which was super fun and, and pretty successful, super stressful, but very successful. Um, and um, yeah, we're like, yeah, let's kind of look around and see what other opportunities out there. And I came across the, the Tesla opening uh, for Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is where I lived. And initially I'm like, okay, this is a typo. Like why would Tesla come to some random city in Pennsylvania, you know, super small 80,000 population. But lo and behold, it's true. And, you know, we, we worked it out and uh, we sat down, we, we, 
we I interviewed with the manager and the supervisor at the time of the facility, the warehouse, and it was a uh, it was a great match, and we we made the numbers work, and I joined the company. And four years later, I in September of 2021, I left the company after um, four incredibly super super um, fruitful years, and I learned so much through that experience uh, across so many different things. But it also brought me uh, financial independence. You know, now now I can take the time and figure out what I want to do. I've been given that ability now with the knowledge that I've that I've you know sort of uh, gathered and the ability to have a bank account that's going to support my independence and try to figure out what the next steps are. So I capitalized at that moment um, and I said, yeah, let's make it happen. And now we're freaking making YouTube channels, <laughs> YouTube videos. Yeah, I think you definitely yeah. definitely demonstrated the ability to seize opportunities there. And like when you talk about your earlier career. It's, yes, you have phenomenal mentors around you, but also you. it sounds like from hearing the story that you were very driven and very motivated to work really hard and that was recognized and you just jumped at every opportunity. When you talked about early 2012, you've answered the question of like, what is it that intrigued you about Tesla? But was Tesla your only investment or were you looking at other, did you make other investments at that time as well? Yeah, I actually had other investments. So I invested a lot in uh, 3D, 3D printing companies at the time. So my God, what was, what, uh, I forget their names, Stratasis, I think is one of them. I forget what the other one was. Um, I also had a little bit of Microsoft uh, and actually I think I had more Microsoft than Tesla at the time and I also had Apple and sort of my investing thesis around that time was like, okay, like I need to put uh, some money into technologies that I think are going to be revolutionary in the future, but I also want to put uh, money into companies that I feel can create some value near term and are sort of safe places to put money. So that was my investment thesis in 2012. But over the next couple of years, what I started to realize is if I really want to offset that $100,000 debt that I have from student loans, Microsoft and Apple are not going to cut it. I need to, I need to find an opportunity that's going to 10x, 100x, 1,000x 10 years into the future. And so that's where Tesla became incredibly attractive. So then obviously you had your fruitful years at Tesla. One key thing, like I've watched a lot of your videos where you talk about your experience there and especially in the years with all the, well, I mean, there's still loads of FUD around Tesla, like an abundance of it, but especially in that, I think you talked about this five year bracket around like the late teens, 2016, 2017, huge amounts of FUD, competitions constantly come in. There's no technology. The cars aren't, well, they're, well, they're not anything significant. Um, so during that time, you obviously spoke about like where you was managing the team and trying to keep people motivated and there was starting to be this fear within Tesla. What key skills have you seen now looking back and reflecting? What are the keys there that helped maintain team morale, help keep people motivated and help people on board with the mission despite as soon as they left work, the news is just all around Tesla's going bankrupt, Tesla's falling apart. What key skills are there that you took away from that? That's a great question. Um, th there is a couple. So... The first one is that set aside the skills. I think if 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 Tesla didn't have the overarching mission that it had, mm. and it uh, if it didn't have Elon as a leader, I think the work that we did to keep morale would have been probably for nothing. Because ultimately, I think what pe what kept people there was how sincere Elon was as a leader and how important the mission of the company was. And I don't think that's lost on people. I think a lot more people realize that and are passionate about that than we think. So that was number one. So that foundation was there. 
And then the second skill that, that we really had to harp on as leaders is like, let's separate noise from the signal, right? I mean, people talk about separating logic from just bullshit or, you know, BS or whatever. Apologies if, for cursing there. But, um, you know, the, the important thing is like, we, ha we have to really focus on what's factual. And so the metrics that we use is like, okay, so you're here today. Look at how many people were here six months ago. Look at how many people are here now. Did it grow? Yes. Okay. So that's one data point that tells you that the company is growing. We're hiring more people. Great. Look at six months ago. Look at how many lines we were shipping, how many parts we were shipping out of the warehouse. Look at it now. Is it more? Yes. It's like double. Okay. Does that seem like a failing company to you? <laughs> you know, and then we'll have other, other metrics that we can show that show how the, how the company is progressing. And, and the other thing we try to like tell folks is, you know, if you go, you know, and, and I'll sort of hit on this at, uh, maybe at a different time, but the when folks went home, we try to teach them how to separate the noise from what you're hearing. If somebody's just speaking about emotion and there's a title that's screaming something, what you really should do is click on the thing and do your own research to make sure to see if it lines up with the data that you have, right? And a lot of folks, you know, most everyday folks, they don't have time to click on the freaking article and read the article and see what's going on. Because usually what happens is, and you know, as a creator, you know this creating titles. You're trying to make a title that's really enticing yeah. for somebody to click on it. But a lot of these news sites, they, they don't even care what the title says. They're like, I just want you to freaking click, you know? Mm. So, and so we try to teach folks to says, okay, like take the learnings you have at Tesla where you're really trying to be logical and you're trying to be really, really good at understanding what's going on. T take that same thing home. Don't just take the title for what it is. Click on it, read it, and then see if it lines up with what you're seeing. Because the body of the, the body of the article is usually a lot more fair than the title. And there's usually a lot of things in there that are not as doom or as crazy as, it's, as it seems. So take a little bit of time, take an extra 10 minutes. And then once people started doing that, they're like, yeah, this is like so blown out of proportion. Like it's, it's obviously like, I don't know if it's on purpose, there's some, some money behind it, or it's like mass media is just terrible yeah. at doing their diligence. I don't know. But, but I think, I think that was really, it's just, it's just letting people know that, Hey, like the, the same skills that you've built in Tesla to understand logic and, and approach things logically, take that same exact thing when you go home and you look at stuff about Tesla. And if you have any questions, come to us, we'll be honest. We think that something's going on. We're going to be honest with you. We're not going to tell you, Hey, like we're hiding something like we can't do that's illegal. So hmm. um, yeah, I think I think but having that foundation of Elon and Tesla as a mission, I think was probably 60 to 70%. Honestly, probably more than 80%, to be completely honest of so the reason why people were able to navigate and sometimes they did and some people left. Hmm. You know, like some people did leave because they're like, well, I don't want to work at a company that's going to go on there or, you know, it's just too much. Like, literally, it's too much. I'm here working 12 hours a day, and I'm busting my ass hard manual labor. And then I go home and I hear about how the company I work for sucks. Yeah. Like, that's sucks but it was a small minority of the team and ultimately that made us stronger because it really bonded us together we're like the group that survived you know like hey we survived the freaking storm and, and we made it you know yeah. did a lot better off for it in the end as well yes so, for sure yeah so on that in that whole time and as well your whole career what what is the biggest mistake you've made in your career and what was the necessary lesson you took away from it whether at tesla or previous role can be multiple things. Yeah, there's there's like there's like a thousand. <laughs> I'll give you um. I'll give you I'll give you. Uh, it's kind of all connected to the same thing. So the biggest mistake that I've made is I was very bad at asking for help. Okay. And especially earlier on. 
because I thought that asking for help was somehow um, me telling others that I'm stupid mm. and that I can't do it myself. And the one thing that I found is that that's actually very common. And a lot of people uh, feel that way because they're afraid to, to, to ask for help because they're like, well, they hired me to this position, right? And so they're expect, expecting me to have this all figured out. Like they, they expect me to know everything and that's why I'm in this position. But in reality, a workplace is a conglomeration of people. There's a bunch of people brought together to try and solve problems. And so some of the decisions that I made, especially earlier on um, at Phillips, I could have done a lot better job of looping other people in and asking them, asking them for help. You know, it's like, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable about what you don't know, especially as a leader. You know, that's one thing that I, that I learned is you have to ask for help if, especially if you're not sure, even if you're sure, you have to involve people. And that's the kind of like the second lesson that I learned is that even if you know the right answer, even if you're 100% confident something's going to happen, if you still put it through and you don't get the buy-in from your team, it's, it's going to be met by a lot of resentment. It's going to be met by a lot of like, what the hell? How come you didn't check with us to make sure this thing worked? You know, um, even if it's a positive change for the company, if people are blindsided by it, it's, it's no, it, it, it erodes trust. You lose trust when it comes to uh, your team. So like, and those two things are kind of uh, conjoined. It's like, just you have to involve the people around you either for learning things or helping yourself or to give them a heads up that says, hey, this is going on. And I still want to get your feedback and help to make sure it happens, even if you're 100% confident it's going to work. You have to involve your team and you have to involve your coworkers. Those are the two that really stand out to me and I think are, are very foundational to getting stuff done. Um, very, very important to get stuff done. And, and it, it builds trust. Ultimately, if you ask for someone's opinion or help, they're going to they're gonna feel valued because mm -hmm. they're like, wow, this person's coming to me for help. They're asking me for my opinion. That's great. Like, I love that, you know? Um, yeah. And, and on the flip side, if you go out and, and say, hey, we're going to do this, tell me what's wrong about it. Again, it builds trust because you're like, it's a valued opinion is, hey, he's looking to do something important for the company and he wants us to help him make sure it's good. These two things are amazing for trust. And especially if the thing ends up being great and it does work, that builds even more a stronger team because they're like, wow, I trust my leader. Not only was he right about it, but he also asked me to make sure that it was good. And he wanted my opinion. It's, it's great. It's a win-win situation when you do that. So, I think that's a wonderful answer. And it's something I think every business owner has probably reflected on it and made, been aware of it. But it's something that I think every business owner needs drilled in on them on a regular basis to remind them, ask for help and yes. allow your team to feel validated and to build that together and don't see it as being something you've always got to be the final say on. Um, on one of, your, one of your videos, you talked about Tesla going into making everything and I completely agree there and I can see a future where Tesla literally just makes everything. They've just, they've completed manufacturing. So on sure. that, is there anything that would encourage you or incline you to want to rejoin Tesla or are you done? Yeah. Um, this is something that, that, that I get asked a lot. And so put it this way, if I didn't have an option to pursue my own way and I had to work somewhere, I would only work at Tesla from now on yeah. because I think that the environment that Tesla has is so freaking unique yeah. and you're surrounded by so many smart people and the mission is so important and the leader is 
arguably going to go down as one of the most influential, smartest, most brilliant minds that the human race has ever created. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's my opinion. You know, you put him up there with like Edison and, and, uh, or, uh, Tesla and, you know, Einstein and, but he also add in like the Steve jobs and the super business. It's a, he's just this weird mix of, of talent. That's really odd, but, but that's my opinion. Um, so under that scenario, if I didn't have a chance, if I didn't have a choice to follow my passion, then I would only work at Tesla and I would do everything possible humanly to like work at that company. But the one thing that I'm really enjoying right now uh, is, is time. Time is something that I've honestly had very little of uh, for the last 12, 13 years as I went through that sort of grind of, you know, even probably longer of college Phillips, Tesla, starting own business, you know, just, just, I've been working all the freaking time, you know, and, and now I'm at a point where I have, you know, I have no idea if this independence is going to last me my entire life, but I know that at least for the foreseeable future, if I see, you know, 10, 20 years in the future, there is a path for us to be independent. And so I'm like, how, how can we not take that chance? We have to do that. You know, the, literally the only thing that's sure in life is death. <laughs> you will die at some point yeah. and you're not going to be here for very, very long. And so if you have any number of years afforded to you where you can really sit down and, and absorb that time and understand who you are as a person and really pursue your passions, in my opinion, I think if you don't do that, that's an opportunity to loss, regardless of how big the mission is. Because ultimately, in my mind, my passions could in the end be more valuable to the world than me working at Tesla. That's what I like to think. Those are the sort of hopes I have for myself, you know, and only, only the people will decide if that's the case, if the things that I'm going to be working on are going to be more valuable than me working at Tesla as a program manager and distribute and, you know, in service, which again, was an incredibly rewarding job and, the, and one of the best jobs probably anybody could ever have. But at the same time, I still feel like if I have, if I really decide what I want to do with my time, I think that's more valuable. And I get to spend more time with my wife and my family and my friends, and I get to do whatever I want at any time. Some mornings I'll wake up like, I don't feel like recording a freaking video today, or I don't feel like doing this today. I'm just going to go read a book or go out for a walk or, hey, let's take a trip to freaking Bahamas, right? <laughs> that's, that's incredible flexibility that uh, such a small percentage of the totals, if you think about it from like a world population standpoint, there are 7.8 billion people in the world. What percentage of those people get to do what I do? It's like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Like me not doing that is an insult to the universe for giving me that gift, you know? So that's the way I view it. And ultimately, I think, I think unless that opportunity somehow goes away and, you know, the markets freaking go down and all our properties go to zero and I have to go back to work, I'll, obviously I'm going to go back to Tesla. But um, given that that's likely unlikely, hopefully crossing fingers with this Ukraine, Russia thing is kind of weird, but crossing fingers. Um, I think the time that I have now being independent I value is much more important for me than working at Tesla, but that's not to diminish Tesla either. So that's sort of how my mind works on the whole thing. No, it's a beautiful perspective. And to echo what you said, like that's a huge thing that I think, as you said, a fraction of a fraction of a percent of people actually get to have that in their life to be that free, especially like you've got a youth on your side, definitely to be, I suppose, retired at that age as well. And it's something that yes. I really resonate with. My friends have started making fun of me a bit that I'm like semi-retired because I... I had a whole life change over the last year and I'm now in a position where I spend 20 hours of my week like working, but I spend the rest of my time making videos, doing what I want in recreation with my hobbies and stuff. And I spend so, now I spend so much time. I spent 
every waking, like I, for the last four years prior, I was waking up at five, started working, or was doing something to get me ready for work, and then just would go to sleep at the end of the day, whether that was nine, 10, 11 o'clock, back up at five again, neglected friends, neglected girlfriend, neglected family, just to work and work and work. And it's now that I've got to a position, like you're saying, of where you can have that freedom and you've got choices to make, it's something you really need to appreciate. And as you said, it's an insult to the universe to not sort of absorb that opportunity, which is something, yeah, beautiful perspective you've got on it. I appreciate that. It transitions nicely. The next point I want to come on into is just like your career now in terms of YouTubing, podcasting, which I've been really enjoying. And hence why I'm invited you it's um yeah really phenomenal i've really enjoyed your content and it's really, really nice to get that, inside insider perspective um well you've touched on it a bit so in pursuing youtubing and podcasting now have you got an overall strategy you're working with or is it just kind of going with the flow you've said like you've got a lot of freedom but have you got sort of this ultimate strategy that you're working on and like plans is it as constructors like 90 day year five year goals and such i hope you enjoyed the conversation so far i am finding it absolutely wonderful I do all the way through to the end. So make sure to stick around to the end to get every bit of value you can from it. But for now, I just want to jump in with today's sponsor, which is funny enough, something I hope you'll enjoy. And that is next episode of Benevolent Business. This next episode coming up is with Jeff, who runs Clown Skateboards. And here is a few little snippets into that conversation. Clown in action help transfer that great community feel and take it wider. Not just bring more kids on board to skating and not help out on kids on mental health and well-being and stuff like that, but also just the general public to realise this is a really good scene that can help. Mm. The attitude can help a lot of other people. How the fuck am I even going to do this? Everything's shut. Nowhere's mm. open. I can't go and see anybody. Can't do. So literally, I just got on the phone and started bashing people in the phone. <laughs> so I hope that's excited you for the next episode of Benevolent Business. Make sure to tune in, subscribe to the channel, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening to this or watching this. So make sure you don't miss the episode because it, again, is another phenomenal conversation where we can learn about starting of the company, how Banksy's artwork ended up on the boards and so much more. So I'll see you in the next one as well. But for now, let's get back to our conversation with Farzad. Yeah, good question. I... So initially when I started the channel, it was totally go with the flow, a hundred percent go with the flow. But the more I'm doing it, the more I think I'm realizing that there's some actual value I can bring uh, using this platform and either be it sharing uh, things that I've experienced to, you know, Tesla to help others that are investing in Tesla or want to know more about the company. That's one thing. The other one is there's quite a bit of uh, things that I've learned through leadership and leading teams. Uh, where, you know, I feel like sometimes that knowledge is like locked away or is secret for people, or it's, it's hard to access if they want to become great leaders or learning how to make something happen. Those are the kind of things that I've learned and I've become really good at over time. So I want to just give those away. Like, here you go. Um, I, I really enjoy the podcasts. Like even this conversation, I really enjoy because I think there is a, the world seems very divided right now. And, I, and what I keep thinking about is like, okay, how can I, even, even if my channel is super focused around Tesla and, you know, um, certain companies and leadership or whatever you want to call it, and it's podcasts about technology and the future and stuff, there's still, I, the overarching theme for me is that there is a, it seems, there seems to be a lack of, of togetherness. There is a lack of empathy. And I think ultimately what I would love to be a part of is to figure out how to bring everyone together through either a common mission or 
somehow. I don't even know what that is. But I think ultimately what I would love for my mission to be is to be one of the people that helps bring this whole freaking thing together somehow. You know, like just it just it the way media is going and the way different things that are happening in the world it's just it's it's division 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 tribal 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 you know groups 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 but the world has never been more connected you know mm-hmm. and maybe that's a byproduct of sort of where we're going and how we have to navigate through the time and maybe this is a necessary sort of period that we have to go through before we realize hey we're all human beings let's just freaking hang out and chill and figure out how we can help each other reach our goals um, maybe this is the necessary part, but ultimately to get there, something has to happen. You have to light a match somewhere. You know, you have to stoke the fire to make that happen. I want to be somebody that I want to be one of millions that are poking that fire, you know, that's saying, Hey, let's go, let's go forward. Let's go forward. I don't know exactly what that means yet, but that's, I think that's my, my bigger purpose in life is to figure out how to do that. And even if I help four people, you know, come together somehow where either through my channel or new stuff that I make somehow that that helps them realize that we're all in this together and there are bigger things than just focusing on each other's differences that we really should focus on how we are alike and the things that we enjoy and the things that we can do together. I think that's ultimately what's most important. And honestly, Tesla in a way, I think resembles that because the, the weird thing that I've noticed is like Tesla, you, their fan base, especially in the United States, is pretty freaking diverse. You know, you have people that you would never imagine were Tesla fans because green energy or whatever, you know, for example, one of my, you know, one of my neighbors is, uh, you know, born bred Texan and, you know, he, he worked at the oil field and he's like the most Texan person ever, but he's like, that Tesla's freaking cool. You know, it's, it's an awesome car. It, it's bringing people together in a way, uh, even though there are some things that Elon does that might kind of do the opposite, but um, it's interesting. I, I think there is a lot of beauty in, in things in life that bring people together. And I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen for everybody. I, I, and I, don't, I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out in the future. But like, if you're thinking about like five, 10 years goal, that's sort of where my head's going. Okay, how can I be a person that can help bring people together? Oh, it's wonderful. I love your metaphor on poking the fire. And I think that's a huge thing that's come from mainstream media. Like it's a very toxic thing. You go there, if you like, consume any mainstream media, you're always going to come away feeling a little bit sick, worried, concerned, and the, like, the world's falling apart. And especially... Yeah. I think that's where YouTube and other platforms, podcasting especially, to be able to gain access, especially like if you are a Tesla fanboy like me and a massive like fan of Elon, you can sit down and listen to like Lex Friedman and Elon Musk discuss all manner of details for hours on end. And it's just wonderful to be able to get that. And it's such depth and it's not about clickbait. It's not about headlines. It's not about advertising revenue. And I think that's what a lot of people lean towards more. They love the authenticity and the fact that you can connect so much more with someone. Like in this experience right now, it's so bizarre. I keep having to remind myself this is a real conversation. I'm not sitting down watching a YouTube video like because I relate to you so much and it feels like I know you without knowing you. And you just don't get that experience through mainstream media. And I think it's something that hopefully the world will transition to a lot more. And especially like using Tesla as the example and Elon Musk in particular, when I speak to people... I suppose I am guilty of being quite opinionated and so I've got this high opinion of Elon and if people hate on Elon and be like, well, okay, why do you not like Elon? What is it? And they'll just spew some headlines. Oh, well, he, he ruined crypto one day. Oh, he, the cars have panel gaps. Oh, the, the Tesla and racism, that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, have you done your homework? Do you know the details of it? And I often speak to people about it and, it's, and they kind of don't really want to understand it they don't want to know they just have their opinion they want to stick by it so i think that in the mainstream media hopefully will move away from that and stick with this consuming of podcasting and youtubing 
Yeah, I think I think the big thing there though is like, what are the incentives for mainstream media to move away from that? That's the problem. Is like they're not really incentivized to do that. Their incentives mm-hmm. are like, how can I grab people to come to my site in any ways possible? Because my my market share is shrinking and we're making less money. And literally, what I need to do is make more money for the company. So I need to bring eyes somehow. So like the incentive structure is broken for mainstream media. So if anything, what I foresee happening in the next five years, it's going only going to get worse because oh, yeah. there's going to be less and less people. <laughs> going on main, you know, as people go to Joe Rogan and Lex Friedman and you, you know, and other people, what I see happening is over time, the mass mass media with the wrong incentives that they have, it's only going to get worse. The noise is only going to become louder. They're going to become more desperate for those, for those eyes. And I don't know how it is. You live in England, right? Am, yeah, I, yeah, am yeah. I correct? But yeah. So I don't know how, how the mainstream landscapes over there, but over here, like CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and some other TV stations and I, and I, I like to kind of watch them randomly because I, I go to Fox and I go to MSNBC and I go to CNN. And each three of them are covering three completely different things that are specifically for their agenda. And it's the craziest thing. And it's only been getting worse. You know, they're only really polarizing themselves uh, mm. even more. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a weird time. But I think ultimately the, the more voices are out there that are rational like yourself and Lex and, and other folks as well. Um, I think ultimately that's where humanity's uh, news consumption is likely to come from unless we change the incentive structure around mass media that mm. actually incentivizes correct, logical information and news instead of this crazy uh, politicized, polarizing news articles and titles that incentivize clicks, period. Forget what's in the freaking article. Like, it's, it's such a weird time we live in, but you know, I think I think you're you're right that at some point this will this will eventually fix itself in some way. But I I believe it will probably get worse before it gets better. But we'll see. I, I could be wrong. No, I agree with you there, and I'd I'd like to see that the world transitions more into this kind of content. And and on the yeah. subject yeah. of podcasting, YouTubing, obviously with your podcast that I'm very much enjoying. And as I as I mentioned, I think that's how I came across your content. I don't know. I think if I recollect right. I was seeing your thumbnail starting to pop up and I was like, oh, ex-Tesla employee revealing information. And I was like, I, I have a lot of content I consume and I'm like, is it something I want to watch? And then I saw it and it's the same thing. You're like, you see a thumbnail, you're like, oh, you see the thumbnail again, you're like, oh. Um, and then eventually, and I think it was when you interviewed Stephen Mark Ryan, that's when I was like, okay, because Stephen Mark Ryan is someone I've watched like literally every morning religiously. I have my breakfast and I sit and watch his video for the day. And shout so, out to yeah. Stephen Mark Ryan. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> Stephen Mark Ryan. So, uh, I saw obviously you had him on your podcast and I was like, okay, definitely clicking and watching. And then next thing you know, I'm like subscribing to your channel, watching all your videos. And it's like, now there's another, another channel that I'm subscribed to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been brilliant. But one thing I want to get from that is obviously you've had Stephen McRyan, you've had Dave Lee. In getting these guests, what kind of like tips and what process have you got? Or is it literally like I've jumped on LinkedIn and reached out to you? Is it the same sort of thing for you? Or have you got something that you're a strategy you work with to get guests on your podcast yeah i honestly i just i i just sent messages i think so my first guest was dave lee and dave mm-hmm. is somebody i've been following since tesla motor motors club days back in 2012 2013 he had these like crazy mega threads around tesla and that's kind of what got me freaking invested into tesla in the first place was all the freaking work that he did and um when i released my first youtube video um about, you know, that 50 minute long, these are the things that I noticed at Tesla that were good, bad and neutral, whatever. Um, he reached out to me on, on Twitter. He DM me. He's like, Hey, great video. I have some other questions. If you don't mind answering, I'm like, hell yeah. 
And then uh, a few weeks later, on that, you know, since he already reached out to me and I'm not going to be hit in his freaking spam folder and DM, I'm going to be like, I, I'm like, hey, Dave, you know, would you mind coming on? You know, um, it'd be really cool. You know, I've been following you since TMC days. And he said, sure. Yeah. What the hell? Let's let's have a conversation. So he was very gracious with his time. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is that um, Stephen saw the Dave Lee video and he liked it and shared it on Twitter and posted a comment. So that was kind of a door for me to reach out to Steven because he already knew who I was. So then I, I sent him an email uh, through his channel and I said, Hey, Steven, love your stuff, which obviously do, but, and I've been following him for a while as well. But, you know, I said, I saw that you saw Dave's video uh, interview. Would you like to come on as well and have a similar style interview? He's like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's make it happen. So the, you know, Dave sort of opened the door for me again, because <laughs> initially he opened the door for me 10 years ago with investment through his posts. But then he opened the video uh, door for me by reaching out to me first. So I think, I mean, the best tip I can give you is, I mean, mine's kind of, it's lucky in a way, but I think ultimately what allowed that door to happen was that I invested a lot of time in my initial video to ensure that it was really freaking good, that the, that the content was excellent. Forget the video, for, forget the quality and of the audio and the video and everything. I just wanted my content to be extremely relevant to what people were looking for, but also ensure that it was unique, a unique voice, and it was helpful. That was by far my biggest priority. And I think if you if you focus on that, then uh, attention will come. You know, Dave, Stephen, and all these other podcast guests are, are going to be just human beings that like to consume content like you and I. And so if you create really good content, it's likely that those eyes will get on there and then that could potentially open the door for you. So, and I don't know if my model is, is a way to follow. I think I got a little bit lucky and honestly, a lot of things in my life I can, I can consider to be a little bit lucky, but I did invest a lot of time to ensure that the content I was waking was great. And I think that's what opened the door ultimately. Mm. So I think I don't, your mileage were merry. I don't know. I don't know if that's good advice or not, but that's, that's really helpful. Thank you. And uh, a lot of it's just like connecting dots and it's like, Oh, I've got a little bit of an in here. So take like leverage that, take advantage of it, use that as an into somewhere else. But um, one thing I will say, though, like in seeing, you've only, well, as I said, I started YouTube in around the same time as you, but in your videos, just in that short time, they've improved in terms of, you said about that content, the content's there and it's wonderful, but I really noticed your editing and like thumbnails, all that kind of thing you're really picking up on and improving. I say this as someone of ignorance, but just in consuming a lot of content, it's even just in two, three months, it's hard to notice between you and someone that's been doing it for years. So fair play there. You've like improved really quickly. Damn, dude. Thank you. That's that's huge. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's hard, man. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, uh, yeah, to echo what you say, it's hard. But it's, I I find it's, it's hard, but it's not because I enjoy it so much. I absolutely love like making a thumbnail, making a video, clipping it all up, making sure it's edited right and looks good and just finding little ways to improve it. But on subject of your podcast, Dream Guests, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, what's the list dream list of guests yeah i actually have let me pull this up because i actually have a a google doc where i have i have uh guests that are coming on guests that i've had so all the questions that i'm planning on on doing um tom nash is actually coming on my on my podcast in a couple weeks so i'm very excited to talk to him about that uh, about his stuff um but i mean obviously elon musk would be incredible he would be my my biggest one uh, I would love to have Lex on at some point as well, Lex Friedman, uh, uh, only because um, not not he he's a brilliant engineer, but he's also just such a nice guy. You know, he he just comes across as such a sweet human being who's mm. also super nerdy 
and really understands engineering, you know? So I, I just, I think it would be just so fun to talk to him. Um, those two are obviously at the top of my list. And sometimes I'm like, well, you're sort of overshooting your, your goals here because you just started and who the hell are you? You Nobody knows you. But honestly, like, unless you have some sort of goals that are huge, yeah, unless you have those goals, you're not going to do things that incentivize you to make something happen to get eventually to that point, right? So I would love to talk to Elon one day and especially Lex. Um, who else do I have here? Let's see. I have Andrew Yang would be awesome to speak to. I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Yang, but he's a, he's a sort of a figure in the United States. He ran for president in 2020 as a Democrat, but he's big on universal basic income. And I saw, right. I think you made a video or two around that topic. I think you just released one very recently about that, uh, which was uh, something I'm very uh, excited about. Yeah, I mean, I would say those three are like my my biggest folks. Joe Rogan would be another person I would love to have on my show, but he do barely does any conversations. So that would be really, really cool. But um, I would say Elon, number one, Lex, number two, um, Andrew Yang, number three, Joe Rogan, number four, and then sort of go down the list from that point forward. And there's obviously folks in the Tesla community that I really, really want to speak to as well. Like I've been trying to get Rob Maurer. Rob, if you watch this, bro, I reached out to you on, Tesla, on, on Twitter. Hit me back. Hit me back. <laughs> Let me know. You know, that's somebody I, I really want to talk to because in the last five years, he's been fighting FUD just like everybody else on YouTube, doing such a great job and basically working for the company without getting paid by the company, you know, mm. so they, they did a lot of work. So, um, yeah, th there is there's a lot of different people I want to talk to. But if you're asking about like my, my biggest goals, Elon Musk, for sure, number one, and Lex Friedman is probably not that far behind. There's one thing I want to take out from there, literally you just said about when you mentioned Rob Maurer, and is that the fact that working for the company without getting paid or without actually working for the company, and that's one, one of the biggest strengths that I think is undervalued in Tesla, is how many companies do you go on YouTube and find dedicated channels that will produce content daily, weekly, and invest so much into producing content about the company, and how many companies have got enough going on that people can make that much content on it? And that's an incredible so true. value point that Tesla's got. In building this platform, obviously on YouTube, podcasting and such, do you, have you thought about that in terms of building a public persona? So obviously the more your channel grows, the more success, and with that comes accolades, it comes recognition, but also it comes haters and other sort of troubles, that sort of thing. Have you considered what impact that will have? And also, if you have considered it, have you thought about how you'll keep yourself, I suppose, calm, grounded and happy in a space of if you are facing a lot of well you can't really rise to success without people hating you as well so have you considered what kind of impact that would have on you like as with your life and perhaps mentally i hope you enjoyed the conversation so far i am finding it absolutely wonderful and i do all the way through to the end for now i just want to jump in with today's sponsor next episode of benevolent business this next episode coming up is with jeff and here is a few little snippets into that conversation I was constantly battered. It was either drinking or too much drugs at that point as well. I've known Banksy for a number of years. Really, really good friends. So I hope that's excited you for the next episode of Benevolent Business. Make sure to tune in. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening to this or watching this. So make sure you don't miss the episode because it, again, is another phenomenal conversation. For now, let's get back to our conversation with Farzad. That's another great question. So I, I started seeing this already a little bit. Like there's a couple of videos where... I read all my comments. I read every single one of my comments because I, I really want to, the, the, the biggest thing that I, the biggest value I think from comments is how to get better. Even for comments that are like, sometimes, sometimes people's tones are like unnecessary <laughs> for what they're saying. They're like super negative, but like the content of it is, is oftentimes good. 
So I try to separate emotion from like the, again, you know, it's from the signal. I try to like absorb the signal and kind of let my emotion sort of to the side. Hopefully sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, I think for me, the biggest thing I try to, I try to think about is like, okay, <laughs> excuse me. So like you said, like the, if I get bigger, if I get more attention, just the laws of statistics will say that a higher number of people, maybe not as a percentage, the percentage might stay the same, but just more people will come on your comments and they'll be like, who, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's a shill for Tesla. He's a freaking fanboy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He sucks, right? Um, okay, fine. You can have that opinion. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to hate you for it. Like it is what it is, you know? And I think I think oftentimes what get what's what gets lost is, you know, these are these are still human beings, even the ones that are like, you know, crapping on you and your work, they're still human beings. And yeah, are they are they pointing their energy incorrectly? I would argue yes. Could they be doing better things with their time than going on a video they don't enjoy and crapping on the person that they're watching? Yes, there's better ways to use your time than doing that. But like, I ultimately think about, okay, so why is that person doing that? Like, what's the root cause behind that person being that way? And very, you know, more often than not, at least from my experience, these people have something going on in their lives that sucks. Mm. You know, they, they don't have, there's something in their lives, either being in a bad relationship or, you know, they're sort of mad at the world because of all the circumstances they've had, or maybe the way they were brought up or something that they just have this certain amount of like, I don't know, like negative energy they have to get out. And sometimes these are the outlets that they use. It's a freaking YouTube comment on a random person's video that sometimes happens. So I try to empathize with these people. I really try. And sometimes it doesn't work because the comment is so like stupid. And I'm like, why the hell? Like you freaking jackass. Like, why would you come up with my freaking comments and drop this? This is so dumb, you know, like get a life. But then I'm like, you know what? It's still a human being, you know, it's still a person. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just... I try my best to separate out the emotion from the logic and what ultimately happens is that I feel more connected to people in general, because I've seen this before. And I'm not going to lie, like back when I was younger in my late teens, I probably wrote a couple of really stupid comments that, um, you know, something shitty was going on in my life. And I'm like, man, your video sucks. You don't know what you're talking about, idiot. You know, <laughs> like something stupid. And uh, I regretted it. And I would go in and freaking delete it because, you know, no, that shouldn't be what people do. But you know, it is what it is. It just comes with the territory. You have to be prepared for it and thinking about it in a logical way and try to empathize, I think ultimately is the healthiest way of going about it. Because ultimately, I think what it will do for me in the long term is that it will help me. It will help me just become immune to it because I'll automatically go to that. Okay, like you're having a bad day. Fine. You, you can use my comment section if you want to let your energy, negative energy out. I'm not going to absorb it. I'm just, it's just going to go right past me. So you're welcome. Like have this negative outlet you're fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. You're having a really crappy day. I hope it gets better for you. And hopefully the next comment you leave is nice. And if not, it is what it is, you know? That's a very wise answer. A very wise answer. One, I think that's an answer that comes from a place of having a lot of inner peace and inner confidence to just realize that and empathize. And like saying there that you empathize with people and recognize that a negative comment isn't necessarily against you. A lot of the time is against themselves and just some reflecting or trying to deflect onto you an issue they've got in their own life. So that's a really wise comment. Um, I'd love to move on from going to content, looking more into the future now. And I really appreciate all your answers there and honesty in terms of like content and building your platform and such. But sure. uh, in looking at the future, I'm trying to work on a book at the moment. I've always loved writing and I'm w working on a book at the moment that's kind of looking at 2050 and what the world will be like. It's just kind of like my own creative outlet of what I think the world will look like in a few decades time especially like with the likes of Tesla and other companies. And with 
with the potential of Tesla making everything, how do you see life changing for us? And what significant things, if you've considered this, what significant things do you see coming in the next few decades? Obviously, we've got autonomy, we've got space travel. So what kind of things, like I have a lot of conversations, which maybe you do too, where you start talking about the future and the te emerging technologies and people are just like, dude, you're crazy. What are you on about? That's not going to happen. <laughs> what kind of things do you see coming in the world that people may not be aware of? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's being sort of underrated is like when we're talking about this is the pace of technology and innovation is not linear is exponential. And a lot of people have mm -hmm. talked about this before, right? Where it becomes humans are really crappy at understanding exponential growth and exponential trends. We're very good at linear. We're awful at exponential because in 10 years time, if you're freaking even going 20%, you know, year over year, that is a whatever, you know, 5x, 10x, whatever that math ends up, ends up to be in, a, in 10 years. It's, it's a completely different world, completely different world, right? Even if you take, you know, the, 2000, the 2000s and compare it to the 2020s and you look at the list of things that didn't exist for us, like it's a completely, like you and I, this doesn't happen in 2000. This is not, this does not exist 20 years ago. The, the simple thing of you and I talking, you're in England, I'm here on video in our houses remotely with like a lighting studio and whatever. And we probably spent not that much money to get these setups together. Like it's impossible. So like, that's a very small scale change that happened in the world, but it completely revolutionized how people talk to each other and how people can create content together and, and work together to make things happen, right? Extrapolate that out even just 20 years from now. The biggest trends that I see is that I think automation of labor is probably going to be both the most disruptive, but potentially great things that have ever happened to the human race. And, and there's many different people that have written about this. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Are you familiar with the blog, um, Wait But Why? Have you heard of that blog before? Tim Urban. Tim Urban, exactly. That's, uh, that's, that's I haven't read it, no, but I've listened. I've listened to a lot of like Tim Urban's content and stuff and the interviews because he 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 was on Lex Friedman's podcast, I think, recently. He was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. So he he wrote this piece. I can't remember how long ago about um, how AI could be the best worst thing ever or the worst best thing ever. I forget how it was titled, and um, that was my that was the first piece of of work that really blew my mind around what technology's impacts to the future is going to be. Um, AI, robotics, automation, things like that. And so if you think about it from that perspective, what, what that entails for the human race. So now we are potentially going to have in 20 years time, I believe that's this is going to be the case. Others disagree, but I believe this is the case. You're going to have a majority, if not the large majority of the um, of the labor required to make things or to provide services are either going to be um, automated through robotics or automated through software, okay? Either in the physical world or the digital world. So that does two things. One, in theory, it should create unlimited supply of things for people to consume, in theory. But it also, in theory, if it's, if it's in the wrong hands, it could completely destroy the fabric of society, right? So only, if only a few people have access to unlimited supplies, that means that the rest of the world is basically going to be left to do what? They're not, they're not, there's not really going to be any jobs. You know, there's not really going to be an economy that exists there for these folks to take advantage of because only a few 
have access to these resources and, and, and this capability. So I see a potential massive disruption in how the fabric of society and how economies function and how the relationship between human and labor um, sort of works, okay? But on the flip side, uh, and this is where I think Elon is so freaking important to this mission and others like him, is that if we have people in place that are working on these autonomous, uh, this automated uh, robotics, AI, whatever you want to call it, things that automate labor, um, and, and they are inherently, inherently good people, and they want humanity to survive and have a better future, rather than them getting all the profits and them getting all the benefits, I think that that is the single most important thing that needs to be there for us to have a bright future uh, when it comes to automation. And so for me, that's where, that's where um, it's weird because I can't see what's, I, I don't know which one's going to happen. I'm not really sure which one's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm more, I, I would say I'm more of a, you know, optimist than, than, a, than a pessimist for sure. And I'm trying to like bring my optimism down because I, in the past, I was too optimist, you know, but when it, when it came to certain things and I would like, just not, I wasn't able to really predict what was going to happen. And once I sort of notched that down, I was able to predict things better. So I'm continuing to do that. Um, yeah, I think, I think the automation of labor is the single biggest thing that, that will happen. And if you think about that, the automation of labor, either through software or robotics is really the forcing function that just does everything. So any advancements that come out of that is born from that technology. So whatever technology, whatever tools, whatever services you use is all born out of that because that is the forcing function that's going to make technology so incredibly insane in the next 20 years. So I'm curious to see where your head's at because I know you, you think about this too, like you mentioned, but that's, that's what I see. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but that's where my brain's at. I'm definitely the same standpoint of you. I'm very optimistic and I always like to see the positives in things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the emergence of as you said, automation as well, like AGI, if we get to that level. Um, do you know of Mo, Mo Gaudat? used to work at Google? Mm -hmm. He said something beautifully about um, AGI or the, the, the point in which in, uh, artificial intelligence becomes more intelligent than the human species is he made the comparison of Einstein meets a fly. And when Einstein mm. sees a fly, does he squat it or does he just go, oh, that's a little fly. I'll just let it carry on and do its thing. It's not harming me. It's there. I'll just, I'll create a little nest for it or a little home for it to just have its space outside. Right. And that's what artificial intelligence will become. Artificial intelligence will be Einstein. And we as humans, despite being the dominant, dominant race for centuries, we will be that fly. And it's, right. we've got to make sure that when artificial intelligence sees us, it goes, eh, those humans, they're cool. They can just sit there and do their thing. They're quite nice in general. And yeah. he talked about the way in which we influence artificial intelligence is the way we interact with predominantly with socials. So artificial intelligence will learn through the human race. Like it will get to a point where AGI will just be able to go Google and absorb all information, Facebook, Instagram, and just absorb all information to see what we humans are like. And we want to ensure that that intelligence goes, do you know what humans, they're pretty cool. We'll just, we'll give them this space. We'll look after them. We'll make sure they're nice and looked up like almost like a pet, I guess. But yeah. I suppose that's the future. And that's something I'm very nervous about, but optimistic. I'd like to think that hopefully artificial intelligence in the future will go, do you know what humans are pretty cool. Let's just hope they don't. Yeah. But as well, the, 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 if, if, if artificial general intelligence decides that humans aren't good, they shouldn't be around. One thing I think I'm quite aware of is that it won't be like the Terminator where you're running around or iRobot where you're running around with robots and guns. It will just, we won't even be aware we're gone. Yeah, 
it was over now when we're sleeping like it's over that's it it's over it, yeah you know yeah there isn't gonna be this dramatic like transition it's like you exist and then you don't <laughs> yeah exactly it would literally you know Thanos with his yeah power. agi is i don't see agi being uh, uh somebody who likes dramatics i think agi is just gonna just make a decision and go we will be so insignificant we'll be so insignificant yeah yeah i i think the other factor with that too just just to kind of jump on on what you were saying is like um it, it sounds so potentially dystopian and so insanely crazy to but it is 100 percent a a potential outcome of this thing like mm. that's one thing people don't really understand is like this is not an impossible thing this is a potential thing and i'm not saying it's 50 percent chance or even one percent chance but it's a potential thing. And we 100% control the development of this thing. So mm. why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we as, as, as human beings start focusing on this now? Like right now, what are we doing to make sure that that outcome is good? Because we know it's so profound because we know it's going to be such a potential crazy thing. And, you know, things like AI safety that Elon has talked about and others as well and, and other things with AI. The, but the problem that I see is that people don't have freaking time to sit down and think about this the way you and I or others do, right? Like call it crazy or whatever, but we actually have the time and we, we have the, you know, maybe some interest behind it, but we have the time to sit down and think what the hell is going to happen. A lot of people, especially in developing countries or developed countries, especially in the United States, do not have time. They're always freaking working or they're always stressed out about something. They don't have time to sit down. So in my mind, I think that the, really the root problem behind potentially like potentially us having a very, very bad future is that we the, the human population doesn't have enough time as a conglomerate to sit down and actually think and say, hey, this is a bad route that we're potentially going towards. What are the things that we're putting in to make sure that we're preventing this from happening? Um, and ultimately, I think that's going to be the most important thing to solve for is like, how can we give humans more time? Because it, it, it's going to lead to so many good things from happening. Because if humans have more time, then the collective good of, the huma of humanity will actually become true. If people don't have time, forget it. It's just a few, the few people that have time will make the decisions instead of everyone that has time will make people will be able to make the decisions. That's, you know, and it's kind of, I'm tying two things together here in a way like AGI and people's times. But I do think that the more people, the more time we have, the better the outcome is going to be. And right mm. now, a lot of people don't have time. And I it think, sucks. Mm, I think another issue that will come from it is just opinions and subjectivity in terms of if you've got people in high places and as well, you've got different companies, but then you've also got governments that will have to step in and it will be a case of like how, who makes the decisions, who decides where we go down the route of AI or AGI, where do we invest it and what ideas and how do we work with AGI in the future? And I think there'll be a lot of big divides there that will be a complicated issue to overcome, but hopefully we will. And on the subject of that, like with, with Tesla and like in linking to your video of Tesla making everything and projecting Tesla into the future. And if you watched uh, Stephen Mark Ryan's videos and if you've um, seen his projections for Tesla's valuation, and as well, the economy, seeing an economy just constantly growing as, as it, is, it is growing exponentially. Do you see Tesla becoming too big? And what does it look like as too big? Because I can see Tesla becoming, I've had this conversation with people and they look at me like I'm actually insane. I'm like, Tesla yeah. probably one day will be worth a hundred trillion. Yeah, I, so you're, so what's the definition of too big, right? I don't even, well, I guess that's subjective in itself. To what, right? <laughs> yeah, so that that's. I agree with you. 
I agree with you that that Tesla's potential size as a company, uh, as an influencer, as as a, as something that generates a lot of value, as something that generates a lot of profit, as something that that just manufactures things or develops AI, um, their size is going to be completely. I think it's going to completely redefine what a large company actually means. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas today we have, you know, Apple or Exxon, you know, Apple is a very large company from a market cap perspective because they have, they generate a lot of profits, you know, Exxon and others are a humongous company because they employ a, a millions of people or however big they are. Right. I think Tesla is going to completely redefine what that means. And uh, I have a price target of for Tesla and people have said, I'm, I'm nuts about this, but whatever. It's my opinion. It is what it is. Um, 2035, I have it as like a $48 trillion company. Okay. So I, and, and I try to like, it's my third video, I think on my channel. And I try to be very logical about, okay, how do we get to 48 trillion or 49 trillion in, in 15 or so years? And the advancements in AI and the advancements in robotics, so full self-driving, the bot and anything else that is uh, related to that, those two things is going to generate so much freaking value for the company that it's 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 hard to comprehend. And I'm being so conservative about like, you know, it, it's it's like we know that robotics and AI are going to be massive, massive value, value adds to society. And then on top of that, I'm trying to say, okay, I'm trying to be very conservative about what the adoption rate looks like for these bots and full self-driving and whatever. And even when I'm being very, very conservative and I'm like, only 1% market share, only 10% market share. The numbers are freaking insane. They're freaking crazy. And, you know, it's going to completely redefine everything. It's going to completely redefine everything. And the only way that Tesla doesn't become the largest company in the world by far, like maybe orders of magnitude, or maybe a hundred times bigger than the next company, to be completely honest over time, is if other companies are, are born that follow a similar path to Tesla, have similar levels of talent, have a similar leadership, uh, sort of somebody at at the helm, and they have similar uh, mission statements and goals that uh, Tesla has. Unless a company exists that that does that, I I just don't see it happening because Tesla's just going to gobble everything up. They're just well, you know, AI and robotics is way too powerful of a technology for that not to happen. As soon as you have a, as soon as you have a solution that's cheaper and better than everything else combined, then why else would anybody ever, even if it's 20% of the population that buys the opposite, 80% of the population is going to buy your solution or use your solution. That's 80% of the world's uh, economic output or value is going to go to Tesla. How do, we, how do we prevent that from happening? I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> how do we prevent yeah. that from happening? You know? Yeah. yeah you're the, I think you're the only person that has made Stephen Mark Ryan's predictions look bearish. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not because his are very <laughs> bullish. Yeah, it's just it's weird, man. It's like I'm trying to put I'm trying to be realistic. I'm trying to be realistic about I think I think it's important to to put that within context of like, hey, just because Tesla is going to be massive, you know, I'm trying to put it in the context to say like, hey, even though Tesla is going to be ma- massive, um it, it's it, it's not necessarily a good thing if we go down that route. So like, how can we talk about this phenomenon? How can we talk about Tesla becoming such a gigantic player in the future? And, um, you know, that could potentially disrupt everything else. People will, won't have a choice, you know, and maybe maybe we shouldn't have a choice. But that's a bad argument because we should have as humans, humans like freedom of choice. And I don't know, I'm kind of rambling now. But yeah, it's just weird. 
It's I agree with you though. And I think, well, to be honest, like if any company gets too big and just ends up running the world, I think I would choose Tesla and Elon. I think Elon would do quite a nice job of running the world. But sure. It's and as well, you mentioned like, and the only way you don't, you, the only way you see Tesla not being the biggest is if another company comes along and innovates somehow even quicker and manages to attract engineers and scientists and all all the manner and artificial intelligence workers and such. But I just think that can't happen with the scale that Tesla's at. And also, if it does, why wouldn't Tesla just buy it out? And unless it's someone that's actively anti-Tesla, that's like, no, I'm going to do this without you. I just think Tesla will be like, you're doing a great job. Let's onboard you. Let's buy you out and let's accelerate your journey. And people will go along with that. And I think this gives me even like an inspiration in my own mind of like, I'd love to think of like life on Mars and eventually going in that direction of like, I wonder if I could start this sort of small startup that gains momentum and then SpaceX or Tesla yeah. are like, can we buy you out? And I'm like, oh, I can join you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that would be a yeah, lot of motivation for people that want to be entrepreneurs, but like don't want to be employed necessarily or want to be entrepreneurs, but then they love the idea of being part of this big company and this big mission. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think ultimately the biggest, like I think in the next 10, 20 years, the biggest um, thing that will happen that will prevent Tesla from becoming the single, um, just the company that makes everything is rules around monopolies right? And, and, and countries. Um, but even then you can, you can kind of like sort of redefine who you are to try and escape those rules. And I don't know if Elon and Tesla would do that, but you know, the government could say, Hey, Tesla, you are becoming uh, way too big as a car company. And they'd be like, well, we're not a car company. We're an energy company. We're a global energy company. So even though we might have 50% market share of the cars, what we're really doing is we're building batteries for the entire world so that we can transition into oil. And if you look at us that way, we're only 4% of the, you know, of the total world's economy or market. And then, so there's ways to escape those definitions, yeah. right? Um, I don't know. It's something has to happen in the next 10 years. Another company has to come up uh, or number of companies have to come up that can challenge Tesla at what they're doing because their innovation ramp is way too fast. It's, it's, it's accelerating. And Elon has talked about this. Our, our, our ability to make things better is accelerating. We're not only making things better, but we're making things better faster. Okay. That is, that's something that, that is hard to comprehend. Um, unless you're somebody that's also innovating, you know, you're just going to be left in the dust. It's weird. So, it's a weird time of living. Yeah. Very true. Very true. It's, I guess you could call it the exponential age. I'm sure there's someone that's called it that, but, um, on the subject of Tesla taking over the world and, the world of AGI, what advice would you have to younger people now, those that are in school? Because what a key fundamental issue is that in school, you're not prepared and not taught for the future. You're taught and educated around today. So it's like, oh, you're going to go to school. You're going to get a job. You're going to do this. Like, I'm pretty sure no school possibly on earth is going in the future. When you guys reach adulthood, you're probably going to find that you'll get a universal income. I don't think anyone's talking about that. So what advice would you have for someone that is leaving school, leaving college, trying to find their career, especially if they want to work at Tesla, obviously you've had that experience or yeah. just life advice. Yeah, I would say, well, first of all, I hope there are schools out there that are doing that. I, you know, maybe if it's even 5% of the schools, I, I hope they're doing that. But um, the best advice I can give people is I think ultimately the most powerful tool you can have as a person is to just be a problem solver. Mm. Okay. Uh, and that is a skill that is, uh, I think, is used across every single field ever known in mankind. doesn't matter if you're an engineer or a teacher or a plumber 
or an HVAC person, like the person that's going to come tomorrow to fix ours. Okay. It's all problem solving. It's problem solving. And the way to problem solve is to really spend time understanding why, like the root cause of something happening, right? And then developing skill sets that allow you to fix that thing, okay? Um, and it's, it's sort of one of those things I found is that you don't really learn unless you just do it. You don't just learn how to problem solve. You can't go to school for problem solving. You have to do, you have to do things. Um, and so I think sitting down and doing things is ultimately the best way to train for these things. So the thing I would encourage people is just to just try things, just try whatever you want. Just, just get out there and try things, you know, like, you know, get a job is something that you're not comfortable doing, you know, get outside of your comfort zone. The one thing I would say to people is get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Like that should be your motto, uh, growing up and wanting to get a job anywhere. Just get outside of your comfort zone and just try as many different things as you can. One of the overall trends that are happening that's happening in the economy, however, is that there's a larger and larger focus around automation and software. That is without a doubt where we're going. So if there's one, if there's a, if there's a specific field you want to pick that will likely give you a good career is probably in those fields. But ultimately, I think if you're just a problem solver, period, you'll be able to really find your own path into what you're naturally, naturally good at problem solving. Okay. Um, so that's sort of my tips. And then for Tesla specifically, like that's what Tesla looks for. Tesla looks for problem solvers. They don't mm -hmm. look for like engineers specifically or like specific degrees or whatever. Yeah. They, they might prefer looking at like mechanical engineers or whatever, but I was doing a ton of engineering work in, in Tesla and I'm a freaking math major, you know, I just happened to be good at problem solving because I practiced it because I, I was not afraid to try things while I was uh, going through my career in school. So yeah, that, that would be my tip. And it's sort of broad, it's non-specific, but I think it speaks really to how difficult sometimes it is to bring value. So you just, you just have to be a problem solver. You have to figure out how to solve problems. And, and once you can figure that out, you can basically do anything. Perfect, I think that's a wonderful answer. That's a perfect answer for anyone that's listening. And before I come on to my last question, my final question I ask every guest, is is there anything in terms of with your platform that we should be looking out for obviously you're making regular content on youtube you've got your podcast that's growing and we've got a little insight into some of the guests you may one day have which i sure. definitely think you'll be able to get elon and lex on there one day hopefully um, but is there anything else that we should be looking out for what little sneak peeks have you got or what things have you got coming up yeah i would say just um you know my content on my on my youtube channel which you can find just by uh, uh, searching my name, Farzad Misbahi, F-A-R-Z-A-D-M-E-S-B-A-H-I. Uh, I have all my stuff coming out there. Really, the things that I'm trying to focus on is passing on whatever knowledge I have about the experience I've had at Tesla, things that I think can help people, uh, you know, from a leadership perspective or getting stuff done. Those are the things that I like uh, to make content around. I also have podcasts coming out on that channel. I have podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other podcast apps as well you can check it out i have a website farzatmisbahi.com where i just it's just a, my face there and some things <laughs> but i but i'm working on a book as well you talked about writing a book i'm actually writing a book myself and Ooh. um i'm like 90 pages in or something and I, i'm not really sure what it's going to be about yet i'm just kind of dumping my brain into the book and then i'm going to figure out what it's about but hopefully i have that done sometime this year and publish it'll be my first book and um i'm excited to do that and yeah just uh, I'm just making stuff that I like and I have a live stream tomorrow. I don't know if this is going to be out before then, but I do a weekly live stream where I just sit down with my followers and just chat. Like, what do you guys want to talk about? Let's just hang out and, and chill. I play guitar. So sometimes I pull one of these out and then I play my guitar on the streams. People seem to like that. I will do like a little riff, guess the riff game where I play riff and people try to guess yeah, what. Yeah, you've done it on the end of the videos, yeah. 
yeah so um yeah just just uh, i'm just trying to make stuff that i really enjoy and hopefully uh, it helps people and and yeah I, like stuff like this i really enjoy sitting down with you and chatting just with people I, I really enjoy creating a human connection and that's sort of what my youtube channel is about uh ultimately it's just to make stuff where i can talk to other people about it because i freaking love it and i'm kind of obsessed <laughs> Wonderful. okay yeah. my final question for that is what is one thing that exists in the world today that you hope will be eradicated in the future Oh, damn. <laughs> One thing in the world today that I hope will be eradicated in the future, uh, cancer. Okay. Yeah, I think cancer is, uh, we've made a lot of advancements as, as, um, as a uh, human society. And, you know, I, I was going to say hunger, but it seems like we're, we're making a lot of strides in that already from, from a global population perspective. And it looks like we're getting better. And then you think about all the waste that we have from a food perspective in a lot of countries. I think there's they're already working on ways to minimize that waste so that you know our food supply can be a lot more efficient. But ultimately, I think um, like just if you're asking me today right now, where I think cancer comes to mind because cancer is one of those things that uh, it's ravaged so many different families. And um, you know, I see, you know, knock on wood. Um, Nothing super close to my family has happened because of that, but I know how much pain it brings people. And uh, as a human species, I think we can figure that out. We can solve it. And uh, I hope I hope we figure that out. There's so many. There's so many different things, but uh, that's one that jumps out to me. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, and thank you, Farzad, for coming on so much. And if you are listening, make sure to check out the YouTube channel, check out the podcast because it is incredible content. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it again. Thank you for having me on. Love chatting with you. I really like how we got on the same vibe there. It seems like you mentioned it before. It seems like we know each other without really meeting each other. That's a beautiful thing about these things. So thank you very much, man. I really appreciate talking to you and everybody that watched. Hope you guys enjoyed my ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So there yeah. we go. What a wonderful conversation. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as me. If you even got half the enjoyment I did, then you got incredible value. And I'm glad, I'm so grateful you stuck around to the end. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you're listening to. And as always, you can get the short videos I make on a daily basis on the YouTube channel. That's just Hayden Bloomfield. But otherwise, I will see you in the next episode of Benevolent Business. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Have a great day. Have a great week.